practice your butt off and get really good at whatever you want to do and don't expect any handouts. It's time for Backstage Chats with Women in Music, where the stories and voices of female music makers inspire women like you to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash your inner rock star. Podcasting from Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world, here's your host, Eleanor Bennett. In this episode, we go backstage with singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist Misty Boyce. Boyce is a solo artist who's also forged a career as a keyboardist, vocalist, and guitarist in touring bands for the likes of Sarah Bareilles, Ingrid Michaelson, Lucius, and Bournes, just to name a few. I caught up with her at the infamous haunted Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado during her tour with Lord Huron. If you haven't heard it yet, check out Boyce's latest album, Get Lost. It will blow you away. When talking about the LP, she said, I hope it fosters an environment where people can more directly discuss drug addiction, depression, and suicide without the stigma. I'd like for my music to be an arm reaching out to people who feel lonely and sad. Her deeply personal lyrics do just that. Welcome to Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I'm your host, Eleanor Bennett, and we are talking today with Misty Boyce. Welcome, Misty. Thanks. It's good to be here. I went to your show last night in Estes Park with my mom, and we were just blown away. It was so, so good. You were performing with Lord Huron, and the, the energy in the room was just amazing. What was that like? It was cool. I mean, every show is great. I always have a blast. Um, I have to admit, I was really hungover from the night before because we played Red Rocks and that show was epic. And then and my friends Lucius opened for us. And so it was family vibes. And, you know, I went for it a little in the altitude. I'll just blame it on the altitude, but still ended up having a blast at the show. I can't even imagine being that hungover and performing, and you could not tell, by the way. Great. that's I did my job then. <laughs> you guys rocked it. Um, so we start every interview with the shakedown, which is sort of our rapid-fire question and answer. So I have six questions to start us off. Number one, who was your first concert? Ooh, I think my first concert was Huey Lewis and the News. I don't remember much about it. It was at this old baseball stadium in El Paso, Texas. Not very many cool concerts came to my neck of the woods when I was growing up. How old were you? Um, Eight, seven or eight. Yeah. So cool. I love that. What was the first album you bought with your own money? Ooh. Well, money that I earned or like money that my parents gave me. You get to decide. Um, It would probably was a Mariah Carey tape. Yeah, probably like emotions or music box or something like that. That's classic. I love that answer. All right, number three, which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist right now? Fox Warren, for sure. Andy Schaff's new band. I love that record so much. I can't stop listening to it. I'm going to have to listen to that. Um, Which woman has had the most influence on your career? Ooh, um... 
musically, I was most influenced by Tori Amos and Fiona Apple, but now probably Oprah. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love all three of those. Um, if you could have dinner with any woman, dead or alive, who would it be? Oprah. What would you guys talk about? You know, like the meaning of life. <laughs> what it all means, what we're here for. I think I would like to spend time with her not talking, like just being with her and just like absorb all of that, um, whatever she's got going. Man. All right, Oprah, if you're listening, which would be really cool. <laughs> That'd be cool. Misty wants to dine with you <laughs> and just sit in silence. <laughs> I love Can we meditate together, Oprah, please? She might. She might take you up on that. All right. Um, our last one is, what is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before you die? You know what? I have been fortunate to knock a lot of those off my list. I think probably my last frontier would be like a shark cage, like with a great white. I'm terrified of that, but also really fascinated. So hopefully we'll get to do that one day. Yeah, you just became way cooler in my books. That's an amazing life goal. <laughs> also, how old are you? You've already accomplished most of your life goals. I'm 35 and I think, you know, I mean, there is still, I, I do want to like have my own music be a source of income for me. Like I'd love to make a living off of solely that, but then kind of not, like I really love that I get to, be a passenger on somebody else's spaceship and then also get to do my own stuff and I kind of get to do my own stuff exactly how I want to I'm not like beholden to anybody and that's not to say yeah like I'd still like success with that but but I really I feel like I'm in a really sweet spot right now with it I I get to make a living doing music I mean it's it's really it knocks my socks off every day never saw it come me Gave me all your love Then you started running And pulling back hard Why'd you fly me in? Introduce me to your friends Make me think that I could win with a losing so you just performed with Lucius and Lord Huron at Red Rocks, and now we're sitting in the haunted Stanley Hotel, which inspired the Stephen King book, The Shining. Mm -hmm. Have you felt a spiritual awakening or a ghostly presence on this leg of the tour? You know what? Not really, because we're in a wing of the hotel that's like pretty, like it looks like they renovated it in maybe 1996. And it reminds me of my mom's house. And I'm just, I kind of feel cozy in it. Um, but the whole tour, I mean, Ben's writing and like this music has such a ghostly haunted vibe to it. I'm kind of in that space every night, no matter where we are. So this hasn't felt particularly like off, or, like more ghostly. It's just like, oh yeah, we're home. <laughs> that sounds pretty nice actually yeah it's cool i did love that you guys dedicated one of your songs at the show last night to lucy who is the ghost who apparently what what happened to her do you remember um, she was outside she, in the cold and died out in the cold yeah and then they just found her and it, i that's all i know whose idea was it to dedicate the song to the ghost oh ben 
just does what he wants he he rolls with the punches like and and he's super into ghosts and ghost stories so i'm sure he's just like loving this um and feeling akin to lucy and he's the the lead singer of lord huron for those who don't know who ben is by first name um how did you guys meet well, Brandon, the other hired guitar player in the band, is a really good friend of mine. And when they were looking for another person to fill out the sound, uh, I think he gave him my name. And um, Ben called me and we talked. And like immediately I knew he was like a cool, awesome dude. And I loved their music. And um, at first I couldn't do it because I had some uh, commitments with my own music. But then they came back around and asked me again. And I was like, hell yeah. So cool. Your duet that you guys did together last night blew my mom and I away. I'm so glad. It's one of my favorite parts of the show. I love it. Gets It feels like this moment that um, I get like because I'm behind the keyboard most of this, the time. So I don't really feel the audience that often. But there's a couple moments in the show now where I get to come out from behind my monolithic keyboard rig and um i just it feels like a communion like i get to commune with the audience and it's such a beautiful song and it feels like a lullaby and i just like i love just like imagining singing to people's hearts when i'm doing it like just straight from my heart to theirs just like sending some love out there and in this ghostly creepy way (laughs) that's beautiful that really is beautiful i felt that in the audience Our friends at Via 313 Pizza are proud to support Backstage Chats Foundation by donating $1 for every Detroit-style specialty pizza and specialty cocktail that you order throughout June 2019. Stop by any of Via 313's three restaurants in Austin or order online at via313.com. Together, we can amplify the voices and careers of women in music. I'm wondering how music found you. Was there melody in your childhood or your family life growing up? Um, A little bit. My great uncle on my mom's side of the family was a professional country guitar player. And he'd come around and like pick his guitar and sing us songs. And I just remember loving that and like soaking it all up. And my dad also liked to play like Elvis songs on the guitar. But just like, you know, just after work for fun, you know. Um... I don't know exactly. It's just one of those things that I was just drawn to from a really early age and had, you know, enough family around me that were like, oh, you, I think you're talented at this. Like, let's find you a piano teacher. Let's like, you know, they helped foster that. And then I, I was just a sponge and like loved, you know, listening to everything. Like, you know, I, I grew up playing classical piano and singing in the shower and, you know, I feel like so many musicians say that, like, you know, if no one had believed in me, I wouldn't be here today. So it is, it's really amazing, like, how far that can go, especially in your childhood. It's really important. I I know both kinds of people. I know people who are talented musicians whose parents weren't supportive, and it's it's like a rebellion. They're like, screw you, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, But I'm I'm not from that. I, I have very supportive family. I'm really lucky. That's awesome. So when talking about your latest album, Get Lost, you said, I hope it fosters an environment where people can more directly discuss drug addiction, depression, and suicide without stigma. I'd like for my music to be an arm reaching out to people who feel lonely and sad. Why is this so important to you? 
I guess just from the direct experience of it with my family and losing people through that and, and, you know, struggling with depression myself. And, um, it's been really healing to hear so many stories out there. Uh, and then, and once I'm open with my stuff, you just hear even more and more. And, um, I mean, it's happening a lot now and I'm really excited about that. And I, I just I think it's really silly that people suffer alone and I, I I hope I hope that we can as a society create more of a space for people to properly like process their feelings um and you know it might swing too far in a certain direction before it gets to a healthy place but I think people being more like on the oversharey side is is a good move rather than keeping it all in because that terrifies me now like you know, having watched somebody I love who I had no idea had an issue, then all of a sudden one day he's gone. He took his life and without like it just completely blindsided me. So I I just feel really desperate in wa- wanting people who don't feel like they can express themselves to feel like they can express themselves. That is, a, I think that's so important. And I think it's so cool that you're thinking about that while you're writing your, your music. Um yeah, listening to that album, I was wondering, I found myself wondering, like, was this stuff going on in your life? And I don't know how much detail you feel comfortable going into, but if you want to, feel free because that's what this podcast is all about. But like, what was going on in your life and was it happening in that moment that you were writing those songs? Or was that like, do you write after the fact? Mm. I'm just so curious. Um, a little bit of both. The The songs were written over probably a five-year time span so a lot happened and if I remember correctly like a couple of the first songs were written after my brother my stepbrother passed away of a a drug overdose and so I was like mourning that and that took me into a therapist and then through therapy I like kind of found you know she like found some holes in my (laughs) uh, my life story process and so I started you know, kind of wrestling with some mom stuff. And so that's in it. Like, Oh Marie is started when that, when I was like, Oh, I have, I have a terrible, like I've been thinking about this all wrong and I need to fix this relationship with my mother. And, um, is her name Marie? Her middle name is Marie. Yeah. But then that song became about so much more than just my mom and just about women in general. And then the Me Too movement happened. And I was like, oh, this is just in the air. I feel like this is some like we're all now like in the weeds together trying to figure out like women have betrayed each other for so long and men have betrayed us. And we we've we've all been fighting against ourselves and each other. And so, God, it's so time for us to stop doing that and like, you know, learn to love ourselves and then learn to love each other and and heal these relationships um and the first place you got to start is your family like not much social change is going to happen unless you can heal yourself and then the people most directly around you so um and then my stepfather died like in the process of other writing so like it was all kind of happening at the same time johnny 
like I was I had written that melody before that happened and then when that happened it's like the words just fell out of the sky and like found their way into that melody Johnny white t-shirt and jeans took a handgun to the trees got her on the last plane home sheriff took the bible thank you for sharing that I think it yeah I think what you what you're saying about the Me Too movement and relationships with people like our mothers and the women in our lives, like this is stuff that I think my friends and I are just thinking about for the first time. I'm 27 and we're sitting down and having these conversations and maybe that's part of we're now at the age where you talk about that, but it does feel like the zeitgeist has changed and this stuff is coming to the surface. I think that's true. Yeah, I think it is a, a, a real cultural shift that's happening. It's very exciting, but very scary. All the things. All the things. <laughs> oh man. Well, speaking of social change, the last line in in Get Lost title track is "Get the fuck off your phone," and <laughs> I love that line. I got the chills when I first when I first heard it, and I felt like some higher power like slapped me in the face, and I set my phone down, and I I was judging myself, but I also felt like I was being judged, not by you. Um. So my question is, what inspired that line? my own life just the what you just said like when and I feel myself get like kind of like so disconnected through this portal that I mean when they sell it to you it's like this is gonna connect you more and in some ways it so does like you know there's all these video chats and you know, Marco Polo and yada yada you can do so many you can connect with people so much more but then somehow I feel so much more disconnected than ever and there's no not enough silence in my life and I feel like I'm not as creative and I'm not as smart and I have a shitty memory and like I and I just I wrestle with that like obviously we need these these aren't gonna this technology isn't gonna go away so how do we have it in our lives but use it well and not let it rob us of beautiful human experience which is connecting with the person in the room with you or letting yourself be bored enough to make something or, you know, like just have some space to know what thoughts are yours and know what thoughts are coming from an entity that's essentially trying to sell you something. I appreciated that line because I felt like those are the moments when someone calls you out for it or reminds you. I think that those moments are so important because they pull us out of that. And so we're all struggling with this, I think. I don't want to speak for everybody, but it's definitely an issue. Yeah. Okay. So moving on, <laughs> you co-produced the album with your friend, an Americana artist, Lyra Lynn, who many of us know from HBO's True Detective. Was it important to you to work with a woman producer? Absolutely. That was my aim with this record. I was like racking my brain for a woman I could work with. And Lyra had never produced anything before, but her and her then boyfriend, Josh Grange, did her resistor record together, just the two of them. And I was like, you know what? I bet she'd be really good at this. And she's also one of the like my favorite people. And when we get in the room together, we just like immediately start laughing and it's giddy and I wanted that energy. Like, I, I want to work with somebody who makes me, f- like, I trust their taste 100%. They make me feel really 
relaxed and at ease and make me laugh and also I know will hold me to standards that I want to set for myself um and she did all of that and then some and I mean Josh was a huge part of what made that record sound so good too but like working with her was um it did everything I hoped it would you know she pushed me vocally she pushed me writing wise but always with this like I always out of love and always with the best intentions and and then we would just laugh our asses off so it was great like you can't do it without some laughter and I, I imagine like that album is so deeply personal that to have her also be a friend must have been really important to you. It was really important to me because, there, you know, recording um, the song Get Over You. All my friends tell me you're wrong And they say it won't be long Till I forget I do what I'm so That song was originally written as a breakup song for just a dude, but then, I, you know, my stepdad had died, and I was thinking of my mom while writing it and just the loneliness that she was feeling at that time, and I lost it for about a half a day. And um, I don't think that I would have been able to get to that place. It was very cathartic for me. Like, I needed to feel that, and I, I wanted that kind of emotion to come through in the record, so I needed to get there, and I, I wouldn't have been able to if I hadn't felt safe around her to, like, let that out. So it was it was great. It's, it does, it sounds to me, from what you're saying, like, this was also a healing process. A hundred percent, yeah. That's amazing. And I'm sure the healing is still going on. I'm much better now. My next record is going to be Probably still a little bit sad, but a lot less sad. <laughs> I like I get skeptical of people, and I'm actually a very joyful person, so I'm also skeptical of myself. But I'm always skeptical when someone is like too happy because yeah. I think it can't be real. It's That's so not weird. true. So you know, a balance is always good. Yeah. So as an artist, do you think things are improving for young women breaking into the music industry? God, I have no idea. I think it's a really tricky place right now because all of the infrastructure is still there of men being kind of the gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. And and so it's great that the conversations are happening, but in the end, there are, like politically, it's just the structure is still designed around men being the boss. And I think we have a long way to go. Goodbye, July. Hate to see so fast that I got a bloody nose, but the tide was in harmony. So we collected a few fan questions for you. The first one is from Belle Cammer. She's from Boulder, Colorado, and she wants to know. What is something about being on tour most people would not know happens? It is so boring. 
<laughs> Wait, really? I mean, sometimes like this last tour wasn't. We had a blast. But a lot of times it can be like you're just trapped in a moving vehicle or you're trapped in a dressing room or like at a venue that's far from, you know, the beaten path. You really have to get creative about how you keep your mind healthy and happy on tour. I think people get the notion that it's just like all fun and games, but it's it's work to stay like buoyant. Do you find yourself being creative on tour? It's hard. I, I do. I try to push myself to be creative, but I feel like so much of my energy just goes into like, like I said, like doing the things that make me feel good every day, like exercising, meditation, reading a little bit, and then plus whatever I have to do with the tour, like sound check and the shows that I end up not having a ton of space left to like just you know write but um I also am on my phone a tremendous amount because you're bored all the time it's it's hard it's a mindfulness practice for sure I definitely did not know that so it's super fascinating okay Rebecca Seidel from Queens New York says I saw you accompany Ashley C. Ford's live rendition of animal meditations podcast in Brooklyn earlier this year and I'm wondering what it's like to accompany a performer in real time. Are you able to improvise at all if the performer is sticking to a script? Oh, that's a great question. That was a really psychedelic experience. And um, yeah, we were improvising that whole time. So, you know, I had a sound and Isaiah was playing the cello and we were just feeling it out. We were like really in the meditation with everybody together. So it was a wild ride. Like I, we really went on a ride together. I was grateful that there was a script because it gave us some way to shape it, but also it shaped in unexpected ways. Cause then once you get an audience involved, it's still, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So yeah, the whole thing was improvisatory. I had no idea. I was also disclaimer. I was also in the audience mm-hmm. for that. And it was just, it blew me away. Oh, cool. And also Ashley C. Ford's voice telling me to imagine myself as a duck. I think it was a mallard duck. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what is happening right now? And you're, you on the keyboard. It was beautiful. Everyone should go check that out. I'll put that in the show notes. Cool. That episode of Animal Meditations. Okay, now we have a very special listener question from my mother. Who just texted in. She's a little late, but here we go. Janie Josland from Mimili, South Australia. If you were to give one piece of advice for a female musician today, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it would be to push yourself as hard as you possibly can. Don't expect anything given to you. And that that's a good thing because I feel like the things that I've had to work the hardest for are the things that I'm most grateful for once I get them. So don't walk into a room being like, I'm a girl. You have to like, let you know, just just keep your head down and like practice your butt off and get really good at your whatever you want to do. Get really, really good at it, whatever that takes and whatever that means. And don't expect any handouts. I'm not a musician, but I'm going to take that to heart. (laughs) Thank you so much, Misty, for talking with us today. This is so wonderful. Thanks for having me. It was great. And good luck with your show tonight. Thank you. This episode was produced by Eleanor Bennett. Hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. 
This podcast is a production of the Backstage Chats Foundation, a nonprofit that is on a mission to eliminate gender disparity in the music industry by amplifying the voices and careers of women in music. You can make a difference by donating to the cause. Visit backstagechats.com and click the donate button today.